Turn with me in God's Word to 1 Kings and the chapter 17. usually the gospel message in the evening time and usually a believer's message in the morning but I have felt led to reverse it around for very often there are those that in the morning come out and they're unsaved and Lord glad to see you uh, but not so in the evening time and we trust that if you're not saved today and I, I, I don't know you folks uh, but you know your own heart, and the Lord knows your heart today. And my prayer, my desire would be that if you're not saved, that even this morning that you would come to that saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, listening to the news uh, coming down. A little boy, five years of age on holidays, I think it was in Portugal, yesterday, drowned in a pool. How many deaths? Sudden deaths, untimely deaths, unpleasant deaths. There have been over the past days uh, visiting our shores and uh, in our land. And this, folks, we know not the day nor the hour of our passing. We know not the day nor the hour of the Lord's return. And as the Lord himself said, be ye therefore also ready. Well, there's many in this congregation, I'm sure, that are ready. But you're not. Hear the Lord say to your heart today, Be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Cometh for us hither in death, or cometh for us in glory. First Kings chapter 17, in the verse 8, please. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This is Elijah. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me, and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it on to me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil Fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. It came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and she was sick, and her sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? 
Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him up out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came in to him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child, brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know, that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Amen. And we trust that God will add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning for his own uh, name's sake. I forgot to say, you'll hardly believe it, that I used to be the Reverend McLaughlin's bread man when he lived in Acton uh, during the college years. And I can remember speaking to him, it was a Tuesday evening, uh, maybe about oh, six o'clock, I was still finishing the bread run, uh, speaking to him about the college. And I think I still have the little booklet that he, your minister gave to me back then, uh, wrote by Mr. Pickering, or Packingham, of the Faith Mission when God guides. Uh, that's going back uh, some years now. That must be going back, oh, must be 27 uh, years uh, so the preacher in the pulpit today used to be your preacher's bread man. So how uh, the Lord works in our lives. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we thank thee that thou hast taken us and brought us into the ministry. But, O oh God, we thank thee that we have a great Savior of whom we can speak of. Lord, he has thrilled our hearts. He has saved our souls. And, O oh God, we pray that what we enjoy, that each one in the congregation this morning might too enjoy. Oh God, we pray that you would speak to hearts today. Lord, we pray for the doubting. Lord, that you give them assurance. For the backslidden, Lord, that you would restore them. For the unsaved, Lord, oh God, save them today. Lord, remember the family in Newton hearts. Oh God, we just commend them unto thee. And there are of grief, sadness, sorrow. Lord, we pray that you would come and undertake and give beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. Give to them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lord, draw near, draw nigh, and teach us to number our days and apply our hearts unto wisdom. Lord, that today that each one might be in Christ, redeemed with the precious blood. Fill this preacher with thy spirit. O God, help us to be faithful to thee, to the blood and to the book. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. When we come to this portion of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 17, the prophet Elijah, he has been hiding now for some time uh, from the wicked king and queen Ahab and Jezebel. He's been hiding for some months now by the brook Cherith. 
according to some commentators. He has been here uh, perhaps for in around a year. There the Lord had commanded the, the ravens to bring him the bread and the, uh, in the morning and meet again in the evening. And of course, Elijah at that time, he didn't need someone to bring him water as he did later in Zarephath. Uh, because Elijah, he could drink of the brook Cherith. But the famine gradually grew worse and worse uh, in the land until the, the brook Cherith itself eventually uh, dried up. And so while Elijah had the bread and he had the meat, he, he now needed the water. And there was no natural supply of water coming to him. But what did the Lord did do? The Lord had uh, another plan for Elijah. And the Lord had another place uh, for Elijah to go to. Another place where God, in, in a, a different miraculous way, would provide uh, for his every need. Uh, and, and, and by the brook Cherith, uh, he miraculously provided the bread and the water, uh, the bread and the flesh, but the water was there. When he went to Zarephath, uh, yes, the water was there, but this time he's pro wonderfully providing the bread uh, and the meat. Uh, but anyhow, the Lord calls Elijah uh, from the brook Cherith, uh, uh, and he tells him in verse 9 uh, to arise. You know, here's Elijah, and he waits until he gets a word from the Lord. Uh, and listen, folks, that's important in life. Waiting is not easy, uh, but it's important. Uh, and maybe you're trying to think of some decision, and, uh, and you're waiting for the Lord to give you guidance. I, I said to you this morning, just wait until you get that word. Uh, uh, Elijah, he waited. The, the brook had dried up. He didn't panic. He didn't run. The, the, the brook had dried up. But he waits on the Lord, and in verse 9, the Lord says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And so, in obedience to God, as soon as he got the word, Elijah arose and he went to Zarephath. Now, the story begins with one of the saddest scenes mentioned in the Old Testament. For as we look at this picture, as Elijah enters into the city of Zarephath, he meets a wee woman, a wee lonely, desperate woman, a widow woman, having to make an awful decision. Her lad was hungry, but she had very little left to set before him to eat. And it seems that she has no one else in the city to whom she can turn to for help. And so here's this woman, a widow woman. She has no husband to turn to. She has no one in the city that she can confide in. It's a sad scene. The famine has ravished the land for two and a half years and maybe more. And no doubt the woman had been very careful with her food, but all the same. Even though she'd been careful, all the same, all that she had was done. All she had left was only a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And here she is, according to her own words. She says, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it, that is the handful of meal and the little oil, that I may dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She had to make the decision, do we eat it today? Do we keep it for another few days? 
But she's made this awful decision. She says, we're going to dress this meal in oil and we're going to eat it. And after that, we, we have to die. As I've said, this poor woman, her husband had died and so she had, she had no helper in life, humanly speaking. She had no husband to talk to. She had no, no one to turn to. And here she was in this, these dreadful, barren circumstances, having to face this awful dilemma and this decision. She's got to do it all on her own. But here she was. What else could she do? She had to face reality. So what has she done? She has left her son at home. What age he is, I'm, I'm not sure. But she's left her son at home and she has went to gather, uh, as she says, two sticks. Uh, and as she does, uh, this stranger, Elijah, this stranger, he enters in through the city gates, says Arafath. Uh, and when she, this woman sees him, she must have thought uh, to herself, that poor man, uh, if he has... Uh, come to Zarephath looking for food. And if he has come looking for, uh, uh, for something to eat, he's going to, be, he's going to be disappointed. There's no food here either. But then this stranger, he sees this widow woman gathering two sticks. And he, he says to this woman, he says to her in verse 10, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, it seems that there was a drought in the land. It hadn't rained for two and a half, three years. But it would seem that there was still a source of water in the city of Zarephath. I don't know why it was, but perhaps the snows of Lebanon were melting and supplying the city with some water. For this widow woman, she's going to get Elijah something to drink. So there must have been some source of water in Zarephath. But as she went to fetch the water, you know, you know, there's not a question about the water. She's gone to fetch it. But as she goes to fetch uh, the water, Elijah, he called to her and said, he says, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And it was then that the woman replies to uh, Elijah, uh, and she told Elijah uh, about the plight that she was in. Uh, she says to him, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. He's asking uh, for something to eat. She says, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She told Elijah about the awful plight that she was in. Elijah heard her okay, but nevertheless, Elijah, uh, Elijah knew what God had said. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Uh, and Elijah believed God. He believed God can do miracles. He had seen what God could do. Uh, uh, so nevertheless, Elijah, knowing what God could do, said to the woman uh, in verse 13, notice how he starts. He says, fear not. You see, this, this sweet woman, she's afraid. Uh, and Elijah, he notices the fear in this wee woman that we may eat it and die. Uh, uh, and right away, Elijah addresses this woman's fears. You see the compassion that there is in a, a servant of God? 
He says, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now Elijah has told her what the Lord's going to do. This wee woman has to have the faith, not only to believe it, but to act upon it. And that's exactly what she done. Elijah told her, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now, let me just stop a little moment and say, Listen, folks, if God has given you a promise, it may not yet be fulfilled. But if God has given you a promise, if God has given you a word, you hold on to it. For he's a God whose yea is yea, and whose amen is amen. And God will not give you a promise that he will not fulfill. I have faith in God. So the woman, she went and she did what Elijah told her to do. And in doing so, do you see what she's doing? She's putting the Lord first. When she went and begged God's servant Elijah that cake of bread, she's putting the Lord first. She's trusting the Lord. And God honors her for that. For the barrel of meal, even as God had said, the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail. You see, folks, whenever we trust God and whenever we obey him and put God first, God will honor us. He will never fail. This afternoon as it is now, I want us to notice and to consider God's intervention in the life of this widow woman of Zarephath. She was in an awful dilemma. But just then, God intervened. God's intervention in the life of the widow woman of Zarephath. Now, firstly, notice her disturbing past. And when we notice her disturbing past, we'll see her guilty conscience. You know, conscience can be an awful thing for, uh, for a righteous soul to live with. The ungodly, they, they generally have no bother. There is that protest against the so-called gay pride. They're sinning against God, but they have no bother doing so. In fact, they're arrogant in their sin. The ungodly generally have no, no bother with their conscience, for they seem to have no conscience at all. They do what they like, on whoever they like, whenever they like, and it doesn't seem to bother them. They seem to take glory in it. But more and more so, listen folks, it's disturbing that believers seem to do what they like as well. And then 
to do what they like. What do they do? They twist the scriptures or else they make some excuse to try and justify their disobedience, to try and justify their sin, and to try and justify their actions. And they just move on from one sin to the next, and they continue on in their sin. It's as if they have lost all conscience, and it's as if some believers today have lost all fear of God. They're backslidden. They've gone back into sin. God speaks to them, but they continue on. No conscience. No fear of God. And and it's sad. For God someday will use the rod of chastening. But it wasn't so with this woman, for when we read about her here, she was troubled. This woman's troubled. Troubled by a guilty conscience. Troubled, it seems, about some sin, uh, uh, some unknown sin, some obscure sin in her past. For when her son dies later in the chapter, uh, and Elijah came to her, she said unto Elijah in verse 18, What have I to do with thee? O man of God, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? You see there her guilty conscience? She's speaking about some sin in her past. This woman has a guilty conscience. But something, what she has done. Now whatever that sin is, we're not told. We don't need to know. Perhaps it was some sort of immorality in the past. We don't know. Uh, Maybe she has uh, created this sin uh, in the past. She's equating it now uh, to be in the cause of the death of her son. She's maybe thinking, God's punishing me. You remember how David sinned with Bathsheba and the child that was conceived died because they had committed adultery? And this woman, she's blaming herself for the death of her son. But she has this guilty conscience. You see, the fact that she is feeling guilty about this sin tells me that there's been a change in this woman's life. Uh, And she's now a, a righteous woman. Her conscience, she has sinned, uh, and her conscience is pricking her when she thinks about her sin. It grieves her. You see, that's the mark of a true believer. When they sin against God, they're grieved over it. My child of God, let me say this to you this morning. Uh, If you can sin and it doesn't bother you, then you need to examine are you truly in Christ or not. For if a believer can sin and it doesn't bother them, it doesn't cause them any guilt or any discomfort, then I say there is something wrong, something desperately wrong. And they need to go back into the quiet place and examine their hearts. This woman's troubled about her sin. Why? Because she's a righteous woman. Uh, uh, and she's so troubled, she blames the death of her son on this sin. Probably when her husband died, oh, she maybe blamed herself because of the death of uh, her husband as well. 
When her husband died, it was maybe the same as it is now. She says, this is because of my sin. My husband has died. Who knows? She maybe even blamed herself for the famine throughout the land. Sadly, this poor woman, she's a righteous woman, but she knows nothing about the grace of God and the fullness of his forgiveness. It seems that each time that she endured suffering in her life, it seems she's blaming herself and her past sin. She believed that it was God punishing her for her sin. Poor woman, she's in distress. What she didn't realize was that when God forgives, God forgets. You see, the Lord says in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, verse 24, he says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Isn't that wonderful, child of God? And maybe you're like this widow woman and the devil tests you every day. Man, he drags you down into despair when, uh, and he, re- he reminds you of all the sin that you're guilty of uh, before you came to Christ. And the devil robs you day and daily of the joy of your salvation. Listen, remember this. Uh, and this is what God says. I will forgive their iniquity. He says, I forgive your iniquity and your sins. I'll remember them no more. You might remember them. The devil knows about them. But God says, I will remember them. No more. Listen, God's grace and God's mercy, it's unmeasurable. Unfathomable. God's grace and God's mercy, it's abounding. God's love and God's grace far outweighs that of any man. The reality is that man can't forgive, but sadly, all too often he won't And all too often man will not forgive and forget. But God not only forgives, God also forgets. As I've said already, Jeremiah 31 verse 24, God says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And Isaiah 38 verse 17, Isaiah says, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. But thou hast in love for my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Isn't that wonderful, child of God? The moment we were saved, God took our sins and he cast them behind his back. I wonder, is there some poor soul today who's saved, but you're still like this poor widow woman? You're tormented with a guilty conscience because of some sin in the past, some sin which God has forgiven you for, some sin which God has forgotten about, but you're still tormented by it, some sin which has been covered by the blood, and yet it's still fresh in your mind. Well, listen, I say to you, don't let the devil torment you. Don't listen till his whispers. Don't let your guilty conscience ruin your life and your walk with God. 
For God has forgiven you. That moment when you called upon him to save you, he forgave you. And all your sins, including that one, whatever it is, all your sins, including that one that's tormenting you, it's gone. Your sin is cleansed, your soul is saved. And they're cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness. What does John say in 1 John 1 verse 9? The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin, including that one. Cleanseth us from all sin. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. Maybe it's some particular sin in your past that keeps you from coming to Christ. Some sin that the devil is using to hold on to you. You think, and the devil tells you, that it's the unpardonable sin. Maybe there's some sin in your past and you're saying in your heart, that sin is unforgivable. You think, and the devil tells you, there's no hope for you because of that. The devil tells you, God won't forgive you. You have heard about the unpardonable sin and you think you're guilty of it. Well, no. God will forgive you. He says, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Tell me, will you come to Christ? Will you be saved? The widow's disturbing past, but then we notice the widow woman's daily provision. In verses 13 to 16 we read, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word See that? According to the word of the Lord. Not man's word, but the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto Elijah. When Elijah asked the widow woman uh, for a drink of water, that wasn't alarming. For that was the customary thing uh, to do back in biblical times for someone when they entered into a city after a long journey. Drink of water, that was customary. As I've said, perhaps the melting snows of Lebanon had eased the, the water situation in Zarephath, which was about a hundred miles away from the main cities or centers of Israel. But when Elijah asked her for a cake of bread, well, that was alarming. For all that she had left it wasn't a cake, nor would it have made a, a cake of bread. All she had was a handful of meal and a little oil. That was all that she had in the house for her and her son. And here was Elijah. And he's asking her to give him something first. To put him before herself and before her son. And when she explained her plight, she's probably thinking, well, I'll say to Elijah, and he'll just say, oh, well, listen, it's okay. But when she explained her plight, still Elijah insisted upon it. But he gave the woman, 
to give her a word from the Lord as well. Uh, as I've said, the first thing he said is, fear not. He said, make me a little, they're off a little kick first. Uh, and the woman had to give what she had to Elijah. You see, in giving to Elijah, she's giving to the Lord. He's the Lord's servant. And this woman had to give to the Lord first. She had to trust the Lord first before she could enjoy the miracle supply. So often, because of the human nature, we want it to be the other way around, don't we? We want the Lord to give to us first. And then we want to sift through what the Lord has given us to give something back unto the Lord as much or as little as we want. You see, that's not faith. And God doesn't work on those terms. When we give, we must give in faith. Believing that God will recompense us and after having given to him first, believing that God will meet our needs. And we can't trust God and we can't do it. You see, God has promised us, promised you. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, I wonder, uh, on the prayer meeting night, there's so much to do. You have a family to feed. You have bills to pay. And maybe you think, I need to work to get these bills. Let me promise you something. If you will take that evening off and come to the place of prayer, God will provide for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Child of God, I wonder this morning, do you have the faith of this widow woman? Do you have the faith to give to God first what he requires of us, the tenth of our income? Or are we robbing God of our tithes to buy and pay for things for ourselves that we don't really need? When it comes to pleasing God or pleasing ourselves, who is it? When it comes to putting ourselves first or God first, who do we put first? Is it God? Is it the Savior who died for us upon the cross, who denied himself and, and who has redeemed us by his own precious blood? Do we put him first? Or do we put ourselves first and please the flesh? This woman had to put the Lord first before she could experience the miracle. That's what the Lord required of her and that's what the Lord requires of us. God will put him first. That takes faith. Have you got the faith? Unsafe friend. Maybe, maybe you're afraid to put the Lord first in your life. First, afraid uh, because of what you'd have to give up. Maybe you're afraid to put the Lord first and accept him as your savior. Afraid because you don't believe that you could keep it. You're saying, preacher, I, I would love to get saved, but you know, I'm afraid. I couldn't live the Christian life. Listen, if you put the Lord first, and if you're willing to turn away from your sin and accept him as your Savior, I'll tell you this, 
God will bless you. And God can keep you. You see, he'll provide for you the grace and he'll give you the strength to live for him each day. No matter about those sinful friends that you've known all your life, if you will only put them first, he'll give you the grace and the strength that you need to live for him each day. But I want you to notice something. Her daily provision was a continual provision. In verse 14, we read God's promise to her, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day. You see, that tells me that it was a daily provision. He didn't fill the barrel. And he didn't fill the cruise and say, there it is, it's full, you use it to the bottom and then I'll fill it again. No, no. It was a daily provision until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. That was the promise. And in verse 15, we have the fulfillment of that promise. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house, not only her and her son, but her house as well, her family, did eat many days. And those words, if you notice, if there's a margin in your Bible, uh, they're also translated as a full year. Day by day, there was a continual supply uh, until the rain came. I'll point something out here. The supply would be continual for just as long as it was needed until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. See, when the Lord would send the rain, the crops would grow again. He didn't need a miracle. The crops were there. When we think of the manna which fell from heaven, it only lasted uh, until the people entered into the promised land. There was no manna in Cana. It only lasted until the people entered into the promised land where they could gather the corn of Canaan to sustain themselves. You see, God will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. He'll not give to us what we can gather up. God and nowhere in the scriptures encourages laziness or supports idleness. Well, maybe you're a believer like that. The work in the church, you leave for others. But you expect God to bless you? No, no. God never blesses idleness nor carelessness. He'll do what you can't do, but you've got to do what you can. But I want you to notice here, what I want you to notice is God's faithful, continual, daily provision. God's continual grace. And that's what God will give to us each day. As we take the time to read and to pray, God gives us grace every day. And he will give us the grace and the strength to live for him until we enter into heaven and finally get home. But listen, like the woman, we've got to go to the bar and we've got to go to the cruise. And if you want to know the sustaining grace of God in your life, then you've got to go to the Bible. 
and you've got to get to your place of worship. If you're not saved, don't allow the fears of failure to hinder you, to stop you coming to Christ. Trust him. And repent of your sin and receive him as your saviour. Don't be afraid that you'll be a failure. Oh, I'm not saying you'll not stumble and fall. But even when you stumble and fall, he can pick you up. Just trust him. He'll give you the grace to call upon him. He'll give you the grace to live for him. There's the widow woman's disturbing past. There was her daily provision. Notice the widow woman's desperate plea. Verses 17 and 18 we read, And it came to pass after those days, after this woman had obeyed and, uh, and served the Lord by giving to Elijah, there was another tragedy came into her life. Her son died. And can I say this, that just because we, we, we love the Lord and uh, we live and obey and serve the Lord doesn't mean that they'll never, we'll never experience sorrow and trouble again. We will. Being saved is not a shield from troubles. The Lord said in this world, ye shall have tribulation. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. As the sparks fly upward. God allows us for our own good and for our spiritual benefit to go through times of trouble and trial. But notice what verses 17 and 18 say. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman and the mistress of the house fell sick and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. This one, this wee boy, was, he was dead. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? What a desperate plea. After all her faith and after all her obedience, this is what happened. <coughs> this, uh, uh, and as I've said already, she's blaming herself for her son's death. She thinks that God's punishing her for some sin in the past. But God had allowed this tragedy, if not actually designed it, to teach this woman about his grace and his forgiveness. God had allowed this to happen that she might ultimately find, find peace in her heart and assurance with God. And so her child's dead and she turned to Elijah, to God's servant, and without any other word or explanation, Verse 19, and Elijah said to her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom, out of her arms, and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. Just in passing, this verse actually puts Elijah up into, uh, up into a loft. Now, it's not what you and I would think or imagine nowadays. Rather, the word is uh, aliyah, uh, and it remains it refers to the upper rooms in the house the most desirable part of the house that's where Elijah was staying the woman and her son would have stayed in the RDA that was the lower rooms in the house and this proves that the woman not only put the Lord first in what she did for Elijah but she gave him the best 
She's given the Lord first. She's given the Lord the best. But anyhow, when Elijah carried her son up into uh, his own room and laid him on his bed, in verses 20 to 22 we read, And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? <coughs> Pardon me. And he stretched himself upon the child three times. And cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come in unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came in to him again, and he revived. God allowed the tragedy to happen, but then he worked a miracle in answer to prayer. Of course, it was God's will, and it was all in God's plan. But notice the result of it all. Verses 23 and 24, it says, And Elijah took the child, brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. That was the first result. The child was now alive. But there was another result. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God. That was good. But what she said next brought her peace to her heart. And it eases her troubled conscience, gives her assurance. She says, now by this I know, I know, that thou art a man of God. She knew Elijah was a man of God. And then she says, I know that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Her doubts are gone. This woman has found peace and assurance at last with God in her heart. But it took this awful, tragic experience to find it. And let me say and apologize, the time is gone, but I want you to listen to this. Child of God, are you going through a difficult time after all that you have done for the Lord? And you wonder why? And you may not say it outwardly, but you're saying it inwardly. You'll not say it in church, but you're saying it at home. After all I have done, why is the Lord allowing me to go through this? You don't understand why God allows this to happen to you. Maybe the Lord's bringing you through the trouble to bring you into blessing. Bringing you through the trials to bring you into the garden of peace, as it were. Listen, difficult things, disappointing things happen to us all. But remember this. In Romans 8, verse 28, God says, And we know that all things... Work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. And child of God, whatever you're going through today, and whatever it is that God has either planned or permitted for you in your life, remember it is all for your good. And as Job said, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as God. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you're backslidden. 
Whatever you are, it's all the same. Because whether you're unsaved or backslidden, there's no peace, no real peace within. For you have no peace with God. You have everything else, but you have no hope for eternity, no assurance of heaven, just an awful prospect of eternal judgment and condemnation and hell. And listen, while you're enjoying life in many senses, there's this thing that's always in the back of your mind. And it will not give you peace. Listen, you can have that peace. You can have peace with God, and you can have the peace of God that passeth all understanding if you'll only simply trust Him and put your faith in Him and repent of your sin and call upon Him to save you. Listen, do you want peace? Do you want rid of that in the back of your mind that's troubling you? Do you want to have peace? Do you want to have assurance of heaven? Then in simple faith, repent. Acknowledge your sin. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Call upon him to save you. And he will hear your plea. And he will save you. He will save you now. You want peace in this life? You can have it. You'll only call upon the Lord. Let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word this morning. We thank Thee, O God, that Thy Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, Thou knowest the heart of each one this morning, those that are troubled by problems and cares and worries. Lord, we pray that in Thee they might find the peace that they desire. Oh, give faith today to trust in thee. Lord, part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit rest, remain, and abide with us all. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.